everyone. This is Josh Snyder, and you're listening to Thoughtful Discussions, and I'm here with... My name is Tamara Amin. Okay, and tell me a little bit about your project. So I'm working with the CMU School of Design um, on a project about the future of Pittsburgh in the year 2030. Cool. Um, we're, gonna, we're speculating about what the future is going to be based off of our interviews that we conduct with different people, kind of looking at what's going to happen in terms of small businesses or automation or just everyday ways of life. And for this project, we're specifically looking at small businesses. Cool. Um, awesome. So you're interviewing... Uh, both people that are in small businesses and then also like professors and people in academia. Right. Cool. There's a, our small business owners or operators and what we're calling like our expert interviewees who are yeah. part of that uh, cool. space. Very cool. Uh, so if anyone, it might be their first time listening or it they've listened before. Normally I interview people who are either entrepreneurs or artists or doing something to grow themselves or further themselves and my intention with the podcast is typically to inspire people to do things for themselves, um, grow and um, start some sort of entrepreneurship uh, venture. And so this will be a little bit of a different episode because I'll be being interviewed, um, but I'm looking very forward to it. So you let me know what you think. Oh, great. All right. So off the bat, how yeah. long have you been in business? Uh, with this business, it'll be five years in April. Um, I started this business when my son was born. His name is Shark, and uh, <laughs> he's absolutely fantastic. He's a uh, he's a very sparky dude. He's like always doing something fun. He's getting really good at art, okay. and um, he he's just he's running around all the time. I mean, for for a four and a half year old. He's like, he's asking pretty good questions like, hey, what is, what does this word start with? What letters? And um, he asked me the other day, like, he's like, what does 10 and 11 make? And I'm like, you're four, dude. You shouldn't know that. <laughs> but then I asked, instead of telling him, I'm like, what does one and one make? He's like, two. And I'm like, all right, what does 10 and 10 make? And he's like, he actually thinks about it. And so instead of just giving him the answers, I'm like pushing him. And, uh, but he's a really smart kid and he's, a lot of people, he's, he's been around a lot in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I, his mom and I both um, kind of get around and, and do a lot of things. And we're not together, but we, um, we both have similar interests. She's a hairstylist. She works for herself. Right. And, um, and I have my own small business. And um, I became a stay-at-home full-time dad when he was born. And so I saw that as my opportunity to start this business and use that time to in invest in, in starting it up because not only did I have to be a stay-at-home full-time dad because I made less money at the time, um, I still had to make money, so I had to figure out something to do. And uh, the printing, it made sense. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do when he was first born. Um, I thought it might be photography. I didn't want – so I had a screen printing business before. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get back into screen printing because it's too much space too much chemicals, too much time, too much effort, and not enough margin. And so I was actually working at a Staples for like a couple months, and the moment was when I handed someone like a very small stack of paper, and then I rang them up, and it was 80 bucks, <laughs> and I was like, I know a little bit about this. There's, uh, I, can, I could do this. And so I bought a tiny little desktop laser printer, 
and I started doing it in my apartment. I just told everyone that I was doing printing, made an in Instagram, Facebook, and all that, and just like just started from there, just built it. And uh, I offered free delivery, and I brought my kid along. I had him in the Bajoran, like every meeting, and go <laughs> in and be like, "Hey, you want some samples, whatever?" And uh, and so people were, it caught on pretty quick. Um, put a baby, you know, crawling over like a, a box of paper, and people were like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." So. <laughs> cuteness effect correct doesn't correct. hurt it, it didn't yeah and he's a cute right. kid so um started this business four and a half years ago but um as far as entrepreneurship goes i'm 32 and i have worked for myself for 12 years so um, i had a screen printing business that i started when i was 18 sold that when i was 24 moved to pittsburgh mm -hmm. um, that was out in southern california okay uh, they're still open for business, and they are still running, and they've actually expanded. I'm really proud of them, and uh, but I have I have no part in that uh, ex expansion part. Just uh, it was two businesses. The guy that bought it, he was running out of his garage, and he was kind of getting ready to to open up like a real space. And instead of doing that on his own, he bought what we already had going, and so his just got that much bigger. So really good for him. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So just like what kind of led you to become a business owner and start start your all these nice, entrepreneurial nice. efforts? So my parents had a business and it failed miserably. And so that kind of challenged me. I always knew that I wanted to do, like when I was 12 years old, I was spray painting on T-shirts and like selling them to my friends and trying to make skateboards and like doing anything I could that was just like, um, I don't know. I had I just had this, you know, I have something and some might want to buy it off me. Usually I'd give it away, but <laughs> I didn't know much about marketing at, at the time. Um, my mom would always do like farmer's markets and things like where, you know, she was, she wasn't so much of a hustler. She was just always active in, mm -hmm. in doing something, but she definitely had some sort of marketing mind. Um, she had a lot of friends and so someone would have whatever product and they'd be like, oh, she was good with people. And so hopefully that's where I got it from. Um, and they'd be like, hey, can you, you know, get a vendor booth and sell this thing? And, and so she just she just would. And it would work out. And then we'd split a booth and we'd sell skateboards on the side. And um, we just kind of had fun with it growing up. And so when it came time to actually like, do something and make money, uh, we quickly realized that working for other people wasn't the answer. Um, no one especially for the first businesses was with my brother and I and uh, we both dropped out of high school and um, but we're both pretty smart kids and we it was more just because we didn't want to do it anymore and uh, both ended up getting our GEDs later but it was uh, it was kind of like punk rock and like <laughs> screw the man we can do this. we'll become millionaires we didn't but it was fun. It was fun to do. And, uh, and so we, uh, we started the business and we for that level of where we were at. No one was going to pay us about much above minimum wage to do anything. And so we realized like, Hey, we could, we could make our own products. We could print t-shirts for bands. We could do, um, do whatever we want and, and, you know, actually make a good couple bucks doing it. And, uh, and so that was the driving force. That was the reason we started. And was that in Southern California? Yeah. And when did you move to Pittsburgh? Um, in 2011, 
I was 24 years old and uh, just sold the business. My brother moved out here. My mom um, was from Mount Lebanon, so I have family out here. I'm the youngest of five kids, and my oldest brother had moved out here. At the time, it was like 17 or 18 years, um, which now it's been almost eight years, so long okay. longer. How has um, your relationship with Pittsburgh kind of evolved over the years? Absolutely love Pittsburgh. Um, I always have. So we grew up coming out here every year as kids, and even up until I was 24. So I knew the only thing I didn't really know much about was like driving in Pittsburgh. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, year-round driving is, is a little bit looser than, uh, than like in Southern California, it's very rigid. Like everything is exact. There's paint and signs exactly where they're supposed to be <laughs> and like if there's not it's 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 very set up and like um and there's cops on every corner just watching you so you have to do it right where here like it's very loose mm -hmm. and like some of the lines are painted and some of them aren't <laughs> and they're signed some places and some of them are like there's eh, potholes every three right, feet <laughs> yeah so um and then driving in the snow which as a 24 year old that has been driving for seven years is like oh you need to learn how to drive again. That was a wake up call for me. Um, so first car I bought when I was out here, I didn't realize that the tires were uh, pretty bare and I didn't know that it was something I had to look for like around snow, snow season. Oh, yeah. And so almost wound up in a ditch, but did not. Ooh, I don't even uh, know how to drive, so I can't pretend yeah. to. <laughs> it, was, uh, yeah. it was fun. And then once I got new tires and then realized that I just need to like slow down, take my time. Um, I was okay, yeah. but f uh, for a second, I, I was thinking, like, I was rethinking about, like, do I really want to move here? Do I want to live through winter? But I, I like it. I'm, right. I'm happy I did. Um, Pit but to expand on that a little bit more, um, Pittsburgh culture and the art scene here is thriving. Um, the culture itself, I think, like, very different from, and I've been other places, not just Southern California, um, I've been all over the country and most of the country kind of has it right where, you know, you work hard and you do well and that's kind of the end of the game. Um, in Southern California, everything costs so much that it's like you'd need to just pull things over on other people to get ahead. Mm -hmm. And so it creates this culture where everyone is kind of conniving. Um, so I had a, I had a, I lived in that for a long time and it was very materialistic and, and, uh, I, like to think I, I was never too much of that way which is why it like i never really felt comfortable there i feel much more at home here and here we have a culture especially in pittsburgh where it's very blue collar um, people are very proud of a hard day's work people are very proud of you know just you know doing whatever and then the creative end we have a lot of creatives here in pittsburgh that are doing amazing things there's a lot of talent here and uh, no one's afraid everything it's very approachable Mm -hmm. um, no one's afraid to support each other. No one's afraid to spend a couple bucks on something that they know is going to be good. And so it's, uh, it's worked out really well. Right. And so how, like, what is your relationship with other businesses mm. in the community, either locally owned ones or even larger ones? Yeah. Um, well, we have uh, a handful of like corporations that we work with, but most of the businesses, like when I say handful, like literally like 10 or less. Um, we have 3,400 customers and built that over the last uh, four and a half years. And it, uh, 
a majority of them are individuals. A majority of them are really, really small businesses. So like up and down Liberty Avenue, up and down Penn Avenue and up and down Butler Street, um, there are dozens of businesses that we work with. And the relationship is usually, you know, on, s on some ends, for some of the people, it's just, it's very basic, you know, like, hey, we'll print your stuff and then they get it and that's the end of the day. But um, I, I really do like working with people and kind of getting a little bit extra uh, information from them and kind of like bantering back and forth or talking about what, what they're going to do to improve. Because, I mean, it's not just printing. We do advertising and marketing as well. A lot of people are coming in because they have something that they're interested in uh, marketing. Uh, it's a promotional piece. And so if if I get the time of day to like, you know, if they care, if they're receptive um, and they're interested in my ideas and I can tell them like, hey, this might look better or might turn out better or might catch someone's attention if you just do this differently. Um, so I think the relationships we built have been really good. Um, things like Baby Loves Tacos and Azorian Cafe that are right here, uh, the Vandal down the street um, on uh, Butler Street, Anthony's Locker. Uh, is a shoe store right there as well and a uh, handful of other spots anytime that we get that opportunity or personally me get that opportunity to work with a small business and I mean we'll talk about I was just my my buddy Jules from public print house is in here and he's you know he's he's talking I'm like hey we're just talking shop he's like oh, I'm thinking about getting getting a bigger spot we're thinking about hiring someone new on and you know what are the disadvantages and you know I've been through all of that and so I was able to kind of shine a light on, you know, hey, do this, do that. Um, just my ideas. Obviously, I'm not offended if you don't, but um, I try to, to give my opinion if I can. Right. And build. Uh, the thing about the relationships with small businesses, and you have to be careful when you do it, but if you can show people how, if, if you can gain their trust in a way where you could explain what they're doing wrong, or what, like how they could do better in a, but keep it positive. Um, businesses send mixed signals all the time. Everyone does. And um, if you can communicate that better, like if you have a question being asked multiple times, then like obviously that question could needs to be like answered better. And so I try to help figure, help people figure that out better. Um, and that's challenging challenging the relationship and challenging uh, other people i think is what m builds a stronger relationship and if you could do that for them and help them improve they are their customer for life their friend for life do you think that's something that smaller businesses have an edge over compared to larger businesses absolutely um i think that i mean with larger businesses there there's no heart to it because you might you might uh, like every once in a while you'll get someone that's like a manager somewhere and they're great and they're awesome. And like, they, they get, uh, everyone gets the feeling like that they're getting taken care of at this one place. But then as soon as they leave, it's, it's not there and it's not consistent where I think that small business is so cool because you have, you can have a hundred print shops on the same street and every single one of them is going to be different because they're owned by different people and they're going to do it a different way and they're going to do it their way and they're going to figure out their market. We work with a lot of artists, small businesses where other people might want to work with more corporations or other people might want to work with more advertising or 
whatever that might be, there's, as long as there's a market for it, of course, um, there is, I think, a big difference with small business owners because a lot more is on the line for them and they, you know, they, they need to work for it. Where when you have a corporation, you might, like, there's this weird false sense of security because corporations go down all the time. Um, but, like, when you have a lot of people above you, you feel like you, everything's going to be okay. Where when you have a small business, you see exactly how much money is coming in and exactly how much is going out and how much you get to keep. And so there's a lot more question marks. But at the same time, if you know you're doing well, uh, as in doing good at your job, that's the security. And I've seen small businesses thrive just by you know putting in the work and keeping up with it. Right. And as as a smaller business owner, yeah. You kind of have the ability to adapt in a way that Absolutely. large companies can't per Correct. se. Correct. Um and so what are some of the ways that the way that you have run business has changed over the years? Yeah. Um, well, we have adapted, I, w I feel like monthly, um, if not quarterly, if not yearly, um, we are always adapting to the market around us, the seasons, the customers. Um, we started doing, you know, we've realized we have a lot of artists that we work with. We do a lot of art prints, as you play prints. Um, and we started this year doing uh, an event where it's about every month, every other month, we hire a photographer to come in and shoot um, pictures of people's physical art, um, which as a resource in Pittsburgh, it's not something that most people offer. There's a couple places that have giant scanners, but they charge hundreds of dollars um, to scan big pieces of art in. And for us, if you could fit it through the door, we'll shoot however many pieces you have for $10. And we, we make an event and we have an art drop off date. Everyone drops off their art. We get about 10 to 25 pieces. Everyone pays 10 bucks. I split that with the photographer and then we send people their files like a couple days later. So it works out really well for everyone. And then um, half the people, I never hear from them again. And then the other half of people get, um, get prints made. So it's just like a cool thing to do. Like it makes sense for the photographer. It makes sense for us. It makes sense for the artists. Yeah. And to like have have your art as like a, a really good raw photo, you can do whatever you want with it. You can put it on a billboard if you want. You can um, obviously use it for print, put it on the web, whatever. Um, and, you know, that's just a resource that we've had, you know, big arts organizations like retweet our, our event because it's like, hey, this thing, like, holy cow, what are you doing? This is awesome. Um, so that's just one small example um, we don't have as much resources as a big corporation might, but we also have our community and our customers. And we, when we've been able to tap in on that and kind of get, um, you know, if we don't have enough funding for something, there's a couple like bigger comp companies that we work with that we've been able to kind of like nudge, nudge, and, uh, they've been able to help us out. And, um, yeah, adapt. I say adapt or die. I mean, that's like, that's a quote straight straight from Gary V. If you if you watch Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, he's he's an awesome entrepreneur. Definitely one to uh, to look up to. Um, but yeah, you ha you always have to be thinking about it 
you know, he says he's trying to put himself out of business every day because someone else is. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to do it, then you'll beat him to it. And right. so absolutely keep adapting. I started, I was in my apartment. Um, I got, I, the printer I had completely died because I ran it into the ground. The thing should have lasted like five years. It lasted six months. And um, I was running cardstock through it all the time. I was running it all day. And so naturally, I, I just put too much wear and tear on it. And so I found this small printer, which is that one. And uh, I found it super cheap. It was less than 10% of its retail price. It was only five years old. I tested it out and uh, it's still running great. And I got grandfathered into the um, the contract that was on it. And so I moved it over and I got a, a studio space. It was, it was like 10 by 10, a small little spot, 160 bucks a month, included everything. And I put my playpen in there, a desk, <laughs> and uh, the copier and a cutter and a shelf. And I could, sw- sit ar- I could swing around in my office chair and kick everything in my office. That's how small it was. Um, I had that for about a year. And then I merged with uh, a company called Revival Print Co. They're down on Butler Street. And um, they were awesome. We both kind of brought something equal to the table. And they, were, they wanted to get a bigger space and have it kind of retail. And it was right on Butler Street. And I was looking to get out of this like warehouse that I was in because I was in the back of the back of the back. <laughs> so like it was, I did okay, but it, I, I definitely hit my cap and uh, they were talking about moving out. We were already friends and I'm like, Hey, I should move out with you. Um, and we did that for two years. It was like a co-working partnership. We kept everything separate. Uh, we operated completely separately. We just shared the name and the space. And then after two years, we both grew so much that uh, I ended up moving out. They stayed there. They kept the name and, they just do t-shirts and I just do paper stickers, banners, stuff like that. So, um, just a, a couple examples of adapting and, and, you know, moving on with the situation and keeping everything kind of fresh. Was that decision to do prints and, and them doing teachers? Was that very like intentional? Yeah. Um, so I had had the screen printing business before and I, I already made the decision, like, I don't want to be involved in that at all, personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, since it was very clear and I wasn't trying to explore in that direction, it made it very easy. Um, And then for them, they were the same, you know, same way on the opposite end. They they figured it out down to a science. They figured out how to make money doing it, which is congrats to them, um, because I never really did. And I figured this business out really well. And we were just kind of like, all right, this works. Uh, I mean, at the time, so to give you an idea, my business was not even two years old yet. I had, I had 500 people on my newsletter list. Their business was seven years old at the time when we merged. They had 700 people on their newsletter list. So the, like, my turnaround is two to three days. Their turnaround is two to three weeks. So the amount of foot traffic is just way different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had, I had to do, you know, they're doing three to eight hundred dollar orders i'm doing 30 to 80 dollar orders so i need to do 10 times more work to get i have to have 10 times more customers to keep the same sustainability and so me having that foot traffic and and gaining those customers and and doing all that it it definitely helped them out you know by driving the customers through their doors Mm -hmm. um 
and and vice versa you know i was able to capitalize off of all the work they were doing as well and, and it was it was a very good fit um we we did make it very clear from the get-go that um you know we weren't going to partake in each other's businesses mm -hmm. and you know if i offered something they wouldn't and there was a very clear line of like you know i do this don't do that right um and it was it was, it was respectful and we still have uh, an agreement we actually send work back back and forth a few times a week people ask me for shirts i send them straight down the street if people ask them for paper printing they send us send them up here so um yeah still even uh, a little over a year later we're still sending work back and forth right mm -hmm. And when it comes to other printmakers in the city, mm -hmm. like how do you view competition? Very interesting. So there hasn't been a new print shop to open in about 20 years. Um, so I have an edge on that because the people that have been in business for 20 plus years already have their customer base. And I'm not really trying to take their customer base. That's fine. Um, but there's a 20 year gap of people that haven't really been, or at least maybe like five years that haven't really been like someone hungry and being like, Hey, I want to print for you. Um, so I'm definitely filling in on that and the work that they're doing, they're a little bit older, maybe have older techniques, older machines. Um, there's definitely still room for them. Um, they're not going anywhere cause they're the ones that made it through. Um, if in case anyone doesn't know the last 20 years of print, it's been a very interesting ride because before you had a website, you had to have a brochure. And um, I mean, everyone's always had business cards, but print used to be a very prominent cornerstone of every business. You had to have your menus. There was no Grubhub. There was no um, online menus where you can look at. Everyone had to have a physical menu. So people were always mailing them. People were always handing them out. You, the amount of print was, was a lot more. And so there were print shops on every corner. Um, like every time you see a McDonald's, you'd see a print shop and now it's much more rare. You know, we have like six in Pittsburgh, like in general, um, there might be other smaller printers here and there and some pop up and kind of go, um, depending on who they are. But in general, like there's a bigger market that you might think, especially in a spot like Pittsburgh for where we're at. So it, it's since that changed technology changed and then along with that you know some people didn't adapt to the technology and they got left behind some people adapted too quick the technology wasn't ready yet and then the technology changed and they had already spent their money and then right. what they had didn't really work and someone else got the better thing and then they went out of business and so it's uh it's really interesting to see that especially right now because where we're at right now which i'm sure you're going to talk about what's going to happen in the future is uh, we're definitely at a pivoting point. So, right. Well, from your, from your point of view, like have yeah. you s observed any changes kind of leading in a different direction? Are you seeing a revival of certain mediums? Um, so yeah. So the internet is now becoming too bombarded. So people are trying to, at least recently within the last year, um, get more in print because people that have went, all in on online are realizing that that's you can't reach everyone that way because n for one not everyone's online and two it's oversaturated um facebook ads are getting ridiculous uh, you know instagram ads are getting ridiculous i buy them still i buy them i'm a print shop i can print things and put them out there and i do 
but I still buy them because it's still a way to reach people. So I, I do believe in spreading it out and doing multiple ways, but I think people are realizing when they've pushed away from doing any print, now they're realizing that they, they should be doing five, 10, 15% print in their advertising budget. And so that's, uh, that's definitely, I've seen, I've seen that change for a lot of businesses. Are there any other changes you've noticed in Pittsburgh that mm. as a whole that may be affecting your business or just even like life in Pittsburgh as a small business owner, as a father, as a person? Yeah. Um, nothing that stands out too heavy. Um, not off the bat. No. I mean, in general, man. I mean, bi- Pittsburgh's growing. Pittsburgh's booming. And so, like, our storefronts, you know, we used to have a lot more empty ones on Butler Street and Liberty Avenue, just to give you an idea for where we're currently at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, b- like, business in general is booming. Uh, so the more businesses there are, obviously, the more that we're going to have to do. Um, I'm not too afraid of other people trying to get into print because it's not like, like if I had a print shop that tried to open up next door and split the business, like they wouldn't get that far. Not because I'm any better than them, but because there's not that much business. So like you, you have to be careful when you're starting a business, you got to make sure that there's a market. So unless you think you can take all of my business, it wouldn't be worth trying to do. Um, so we're in a pretty good spot because there's there's not that much competition and it doesn't look like there's going to be if anything you know like staples and kinkos and and um office depot they're closing stores left and right and so as as long as i can hold on and the fight for 15 or 12 dollars an hour if those wages go up then our wages are going to go up and they're going to be you know if they're having teenagers that are hitting copies for $15 an hour, then we're going to be able to do a lot better than that. And so their prices are going to go up like crazy and we'll be able to adapt, I think a lot easier and better than them Mm -hmm. because our, you know, our costs are just uh, different the way our business is structured where for the big corporations, that's going to change their margins a lot. And then, you know, the whole market will shift. Right. And what, so like now we're going to go kind of a little bit more into like our future predictions maybe and thinking about like the trends that we're looking at everywhere. Um, So the year is like 2030, right? Like put yourself in the future. It's 2030. 12 years from now. 12 years from now. Your son is like 16. Yeah. Okay. Shoot, man. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How do you see your work changing, first of all? Um, So... It's a great question. Um, a lot more automated. And uh, we've started doing that little by little. Um, our website is, uh, we're, we're adapting to, because we have, we have so much intake and if we're gonna do it all manually, we can't get back to everyone quick enough. Um, which is awesome because our business is growing and more people wanna work with us and it's great. But if I can't get back to everyone, that's a super bad thing. And then people feel like I don't care about them and you know, there's nothing I can do. So in order to maintain, we have to, you know, create forms and put more information online so that people aren't 
emailing directly about it. And uh, like I said before, you know, if people are asking the same question over and over, like, okay, let's put that online and, and direct people there so that people know that that's the thing. Um, so information, um, automation, and I mean, I think those are the two biggest things. There is software out there that can take someone's order directly um, and it's the same software that makes the software for the, the copier itself. And they could take it from an online order and they take their payment and then they could put it through into our queue and then someone just has to hit print and it's all set up and ready on a template and everything. And then someone just has to cut it. So the technology is there to make it almost seamless from A to Z. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we'll end up ever going in that route but we'll do what we can to get it as close to that as possible. What so. is the reason you wouldn't want to go fully automated? Um, there's a little less heart in it. Um, so that's, I think that there's value in, uh, in the process. So where you can go online to somewhere like Vistaprint and if you look at the comments, um, you know, I've seen a comment on there. It's like, I got this and the colors are all wrong and it like it looked like it was something digitally messed up um and they're like there's no way any human ever saw this and you have to think about that like okay do you want to go fully digital do you want to go fully automated to the point where like something can go from someone's ordering it to in a package without a human eye ever even seeing it you know um of course there's quality control and stuff and obviously that one just got missed um not trying to shame them too much but <laughs> Uh, but it does happen. And I mean, that could happen here. If we look at it and we're like, hey, I think that's what the customer wanted. Okay. It's, it looks like a glitch print. Okay. Um, and that's clearly not what they wanted. Um, but in general, I, I think that we do need to have, I, I mean, that's the charm of the small business is that we're involved and being involved as much as possible, but also automating the repetitive steps that's that's where we want to cross and have that like yeah do you think it's going to like open up more opportunities to spend more time doing the creative things or absolutely um people have asked about like classes um like oh do you do printmaking classes and um that's that's been something that's come up something to think about i'm not sure we're organized enough to do that yet <laughs> um but as far as the creative end I'd love to have more like workshops with our customers directly on, you know, on the business end of things, on the creative end and get them thinking a little bit more about how they are going to stand out. And I think that we could, we could definitely help with that. We could do better with, uh, with helping our customers stand out. Um, so I'd like to move in that direction eventually. 2030, um, we're gonna fly in cars and we're gonna have all sorts <laughs> of stuff. So it's definitely gonna be a different time um, I think that something that we can do differently is uh, is delivery and as cars get smaller and bikes and stuff and um, you know there's gonna be you know maybe we'll have drone delivery by then and so you can just order and you know we'll send our drone out to your door and it, it, the the opportunities are amazing um, so as a small business owner I'm looking towards how can that how could that be an advantage rather than Oh no, they did it. Like, like, yeah, they did it. Of course <laughs> they did it. You can't like, can't be mad at that. You just got to move forward and, and like, see how you can adapt.
Right. Yeah. And like, what are there specific things that you really, really want to see change? Hmm. Um, I'm interested. So I'm, I consider myself studying human behavior all the time because obviously that's like sales, you know? Um, so how do humans interact when you do this versus that? Um, it's, a lot of it's pretty basic, you know, a, a lot of people are, um, they're driven by their hearts. And if you can, um, intellectually, you know, be, make yourself vulnerable and available and also have create value to them in a way where, um, interacting with you is going to have a positive impact on their life, then they will continue that they'll want you around more right so if uh i'm i'm interested to see with things like amazon and um big business and how they're going to adapt how sales adapts along with that and how small businesses continue to sell things um and how more so how how buying is going to change because Buying has already changed with the internet. Mm -hmm. um, buying changed when um, record labels would send out p magazines, you know, with like, buy these albums, subscribe to this thing, and we'll send you a different album every month or whatever. Um, there's, it's always adapting. It's always changing. There's always people getting left behind. Um, so I'm super curious to see where it goes. And I think... As long as we stay on top of our game, like it's, it's fine. I'm not afraid of it. Like, figure out. And if this business crashes and dies, like, I hope that doesn't happen. But I don't think, as an entrepreneur, and an op entrepreneur that's been doing it more than once, I don't think that I won't be doing something, even if that mm. line of work changes. Yeah, well, like when you think about your this, this business specifically, typically, like yeah. how far in the future do you think? Um, I'm usually thinking one to five years um, at a time. So I try not—I don't want to get too ahead of myself mm -hmm. and make decisions that I'm going to regret later. Um, I just spent twenty-five thousand dollars on a new piece of machinery. I want the la that to last ten years. Um, but am I going to be doing it for ten years, or is that an asset that I'm going to be able to sell, or, or you know, what? It, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, it could be completely opposite in three years. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I could just find a different way to use it. There's a lot of old machines out there that still have a practical use in one way or another. So if you can do that one thing a lot, then it's all about just selling that thing. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, I have friends over at Sapling Press. They do uh, mostly all letterpress. And that's a, you know, a super old thing that, kind of got out of style and it came back and, and they, they totally capitalized on it. They do a lot of custom work, but most of the work they actually do is for their own like greeting card line. And they have these really cool greeting cards. You can check them out online and they, they're available in cool little gift shops like uh, Wildcard. I don't know if you've ever been down there. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of sapling stuff. So um, figure out how to adapt because there's, there's still going to be someone that wants that one thing and you just got to, make sure that you're connecting with them so do you because I, I mean a lot of the times you see or you at least hear about um 
people being really worried about their the their small business being around in in 10 20 years yeah. and you're kind of saying more about like well i'm i'm i am not like defined by this one particular small Correct. business i am Correct. a small business Correct. like owner entrepreneur interesting right like yeah yeah um i could see ourselves getting more into marketing um we've dabbled a little bit in social media marketing and um doing you know taking on we've done really well with our own accounts in my first year i did 70 percent of my business came just from instagram so i'd say we did a pretty darn good job with that and uh, we've been able to keep it going and i hire i have a guy that comes in and uh, I call him my personal click farm. Like he goes on <laughs> and he just like clicks and clicks. And uh, it's it's great. And we we have a couple of people that actually pay us to do that. So if we were to refine it a little bit better, um, that could be something that we actually sell as 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 well as the print. So we could get it, get a little bit better into into marketing, and not just print. Um, but having print be part of it could be a big asset for a marketing business. So. That could be a direction that it goes. And you had that that click farm concept is like really and in, in <laughs> kind of funny just because like we were like also talking a lot about like well, Pittsburgh is trying to place itself at least in like the technology realm as being yeah. this like AI haven, right? Right, right. So like in the year twenty thirty, yeah, this will probably have a a, pl- a serious place in what it means to be a business, especially with like the digital economy. Absolutely. Um, with that, with the AI and and vr and all sorts of other things like there's i think the tangibility is what makes print special um and every business is special so like it just depends on how they adapt but print itself people are going to always love having things in their hands people are going to always want to have their band poster up on a wall somewhere like it's never just going to be a screen and like you upload your you know what I mean? Like, like that's not, I, I don't think it's ever going to get to that point. No projector band like, wall poster. <laughs> there, it'd be, it'd be a long time. Um, or, or maybe it'll be VR and, and you'll walk into a place and you'll have something on the side of your head and only the stuff you're interested in will show up. I don't know. Um, but it'd be, it'd be crazy to organize. And this, um, you know, posters on the wall, I think, especially in, in, in places like the rock room or, you know, uh, you know, like more like gritty, you go down to Belvedere's and there's a wall full of, full of posters, spirit, half the stuff's not even for their, um, place, but it's just like, it's a thing. Like people aren't going to get tired of that. And that's not, do you think that's like not really Pittsburgh specific either? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that any city that has concerts and stuff is going to have, um, have that feeling of like, you know, does hand to hand flyering work? I think it does. Um, a lot of people throw them on the ground. Uh, it depends on what kind of event you want to make sure that it's going to be something that's absolutely your market. Um, but if I know that if I go to a show and hand out someone's flyer and like my printing business info is on the back, like eventually I'll get one person that calls me and is like, Hey, I saw you on the back of this flyer it was for this event. Like, I mean, I do this, I get these phone calls. So like it works. I know it works. Um, and I mean, people will, people will go to shows. People are always looking to be entertained and, and what, what's next. And if you have a flyer in your pocket and you're like, Hey, come out to my show. I'd love to have you there. 
it's different than you know here let me you know give me your phone i'll put i'll make you follow me on your instagram or something right you know like i think there's something like a century's worth of content put on facebook every day and a half sounds about right right so yeah yeah it gets lost and um like i did this uh so we another thing that my brother and i did so we had the screen printing business out in california and um we were like a year or two in and there was this magazine they're not around anymore it was called scratch magazine and it was like bands and it was punk rock and it was it was super cool at the time and you can only go down to like the record store and get it um they had a readership of forty thousand people and it was awesome and we'd read it all the time it's free free magazine um we wanted to advertise in it and they told us it was 400 bucks so we were like we can make our own magazine for 400 (laughs) bucks because why not um and so we started our own music magazine and um that's actually online it's still going today it's called big smile magazine um so if you want to google that you can check it out (laughs) i'm not a part of it anymore but we started it essentially to print about bands a lot of the bands that we were working with for print and then have our ad in it at some point so it was a way that we could like hand someone something and be like hey check out this music music magazine and then they'd eventually see our ad in it and so they would uh, eventually get t-shirts and so it was a marketing strategy um, but it also was a fun thing for us to do and uh, we got into a backstage at warp tour for a lot of years uh we did we got to interview a bunch of bands and um it it was a it was definitely a cool project it made it worth it um but for for that ad price of four hundred dollars it was like we can make our own for that um so having having that what was your original question let me get back to that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I know I'm going off in tangents, but I love it. No, the tangents are where the gold's at anyway. Cool, cool. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not too all over the place. Hopefully the, the listeners are able to kind of follow it. Right. Well, I mean, the way that you're oh, kind of... Oh, no. I, I remember exactly <laughs> what it was. No. Okay. So we'd be out in um, Big Smile Magazine, and I'd have a button on my shirt. And it didn't matter, guy or girl, we're talking, get into conversations, give them a flyer or a magazine, whatever. And, um, and we'd be talking about it and I'm like, Oh, here's this button. And I'd hand it them off my shirt. And then they'd be like, that's something that they're going to remember. And then, you know, I, five minutes later, I grab one out of my pocket and put it back on my shirt. <laughs> and then someone else was like, Oh yeah, here have this button. Um, I don't think it was not genuine. Um, but when you, when you're able to c- kind of create a moment where you have someone, it's like, oh, yeah, this thing is mine. I'm going to take it off my shirt and hand it to you. Like, that's just a small way of, a small example of how you can kind of thoughtfully manufacture uh, an impression. And with print, I think that you can still do that, too. That's interesting. Um, this has, like, nothing to do with the questions that I, I, I came in planning on asking you. But yeah. you mentioned a lot about kind of this like tangibility of like something yeah. that's yours. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever think about like all this talk with the sh- about the shared economy and like how yeah. everyone's going to be sharing stuff? Yeah. Um, and like 
Would is that something you would actually want to partake in, like as a um, person, not necessarily as a business owner? D- uh, dive a little deeper. Explain it to me a little bit better in more detail. So I think the logic for like the shared economy is sort of. No one is going to like own their own car or own their mm-hmm. own toaster mm-hmm. or own their own anything really. And it, we're all going to be sort of sharing Communally. things yeah. on commu- like, yeah, communally on. It's like right. basically like if, well, if you were like a backpacker at a hostel and you just had to like share all, all the right. kitchen things. I mean, with okay. everything. So I had a guy come by today and he, he got some resumes printed, which we print resumes for free uh, if anyone needs any. Oh, noted. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And he came by and he got some resumes and he's like, I'm just going to use you guys from now on because like I had a printer at home and it broke and you know, it's not worth filling it with ink just for it to dry out and then have to, you know, come here anyways. Like, yeah, man, like we're happy to take care of you. You're not going to sit there and buy a $25,000 machine and we are. So you don't have to worry about that. Like we'll do the printing and we'll do it pretty cheap. Like you don't realize when you have an inkjet at home and you it's, it's printing like full color and you only get like 30 copies out of it and you paid $30 per cartridge and like if you actually do the math you're like wait a minute I can get a got this for 35 cents I just spent a dollar what am I doing like um, it does make a big difference so in a sense I'd like to think that that's already happening where like people really local to us can be like you know what I'm not gonna buy this printer because if you think about it, if the printer costs $20 at Walmart, they're making $10 on it, and which means it only costs $10 for them to make it, make profit, and ship it, which means it probably actually only costs like 3 or $4 to make the printer. And so a 3 or $4 printer, like, you can't get a burrito for that much. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real. Um, so, like, they're making something that is going to break very quickly. Um, and it's it's worth it to invest a lot of money into a really nice printer that's going to last a decade um that we have service on it that uh that we have you know the print quality is amazing and just come in here and get your printing done and i think that as a communal effort it's like if more people see it as like as a dependable resource then there's going to be no reason for them to be like yeah i gotta have this thing at home you know what i mean yeah. Do you ever think that you're going to have like predom- like a lot of individuals, not just businesses or booking, yeah. just like getting yeah. stuff I mean, printed? We do, print. have, we do have a fair amount of individuals that just come in for copies or prints or whatever. Um, the thing about printing is that you ha- there has to be a reason to print. So you have to be doing something. Um, so a lot of the people that are printing have something going on. Um, and... Or it's just the holidays and they're getting something to the family or whatever. But in general, they're doing something interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but if, you know, I'm sure that there is a big market for just individual print. And I would be very interested in getting more into that. Can you explain how you started doing this, the, the free resume printing thing? Like what was the logic um, behind that? Yeah, there was a... Um, a meme that went around on the internet about like uh, a dry cleaners that said that they would um, dry clean anyone anyone's clothes that had a job the next day for free, and I thought that was a super cool idea. Like if someone is you know struggling or they're they're working on something, then why not give them 
Like that's just something super basic that it might cost me a dollar or two, but if they get the job, then great for them. And they can tell us, tell their new job about us. So hopefully we get business that way. Um, but in, in general, it's just like, it, it makes sense. It's something that doesn't cost us a whole lot. And it's something that we could do for the community without it really making a ripple in our bottom line. Like it's just <laughs> a no brainer. Like yeah. of, of course I'll print your resume for free. Um, so that was kind of like the thought behind it. And a lot of people are still surprised. We have a, if you go on our front page, it says resume maker. We'll even design your resume for free. Um, <laughs> So, and there's a whole questionnaire like, all right, what do you, you know, give me all the details. <laughs> and then our graphic designer puts it together and uh, sends a proof. And some people don't even get, get it printed. They just, they just use the digital version. But um, I believe that having a, a, a paper resume is super important. It is that tangibility. But like, even if you, like, if you go around and you give people your resume, I think that that, that speaks a little bit higher of, mm -hmm. of yourself. Um, or if you have one in an interview, um, yeah, I sent it to you digitally. Maybe you did print it out. Maybe you don't have it right in front of you. Here you go. I have a copy. I can, you know, it, it, it even if you're going for some retail store or something mm -hmm. to that level, it still makes you stand out. It makes you look like you take yourself more seriously. So why not? Right. Why not? You, it, applying for a job, it's, it's the weirdest thing because like you're trying to show off how good you are and have this competitive edge of like, remember me please like and anything you can do like we can print it out on some nice like paper with a little bit of cotton in it and like <laughs> you know it has a little bit of a feel to it and like yes and that's free too like yeah i remember being the, the just like last last fall handing my resume to someone at, at yeah. this tech company at like a yeah. job fair yeah. and having them pick it up and take a photo of it <laughs> and then like throw it away in front of me. And I remember thinking like, I put so much work into that resume. Right, right. Like that's just disrespectful. Like I gave you that. That's yours. You keep it. Right. Um, <laughs> oh man. So like, okay, for you, it seems like being a business owner yeah. is like it, like work, ha it's, it's about working. It's like, its place in your life it's yeah. not just about the actual business like and so like Absolutely. what is work like for you like how do you see your relationship to work changing or like how how has it changed interesting um so for us i've been dealing with our growth and i've been dealing that since we started um it's it's something that i'm constantly trying to get a handle on and every time I create a new system, it works out really well. And then we end up getting more customers. <laughs> if I have more time, then I post more on social media and then more people are like, oh yeah, this thing. And then they, so like, it's it just a circle that's always like, we're like, I'm incredible. Some people, small business owners don't like to say they're lucky because they're like, no, I'm not lucky. I work hard. Um, but I think we are lucky because we're able to work with these people. And the more work we do, the more work we get. And the faster we can get it done, the more people want it faster. And so we're constantly trying to do anything we can to like speed up the process, but still have heart. So that's like the challenge of, um, of growing. And, or at least mine, that's my right. challenge. Yeah. Well, like, does that answer your question? Yeah, kind okay. of. Um, but I'm also just like wondering, 
Like, like my day to day? Yeah. Like if, is, is being a business owner something that, let's say if there was like universal, universal basic income, right? Yeah. Like, would you still be working? It's would in you my s- blood. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't not. Um, what I would be doing might be different, but how I would do it would be the same. And that is um, with, I want people to grow and I want to grow myself. And I, like what I'm able to do right now, whether I have all the money in the world or not, and typically it's not, um, I'm able to live in a, a place that I am able to do what I want to do. I I'm able to work with people I want to work with and create a space that's fun to work and, uh, and work with people as far as customers that I want to work with. And I can kind of shift and maneuver um, how I work with them. And so if I wasn't doing this business, I would be doing something to help people with creating their own businesses like um or help people figure out how they're going to sell their art or how you know i don't know exactly what it would be i would love to work with small business owners or or work with entrepreneurs about how like how they're going to create their business and, Mm -hmm. and ways that they can do it differently that reflects on them because like i said earlier every business is different because it's who they are and that's what makes them different so if i can figure out who someone is and figure out how to make that grow and and make it so that they're able to show off who they are then i think that they'll grow and that's what i like i want to keep pushing off Uh, so hopefully yeah you just keep doing (laughs) yeah 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 it would just be um and a lot of businesses, they just need a flyer and I don't get to like dictate much or help them, you know, other than find some way to kind of encourage them or thank them. Um, but, and that might be enough that, you know, they're already there where they're, they just need the thing printed so they can go do their thing and, and run around and be crazy, which is great because a lot of people are really good at that. So just let them be business owners and they're fine. Um, but there are a lot of people that want to do it and they're not quite sure how, and those are the ones that I, um, you know, I just want to see what I can do to help because the more people that can live in this space of freedom and creativity and, um, the better this whole community is going to be. So that makes my life better if everyone else is having a better day and having a better time and doing what they want to do. So why wouldn't I want them to be able to have that same feeling and have a great life so that I can have a great life with them as a community. Right. Um, so we've been talking to a lot of business scholars recently and something that they've started talking a lot about is this resurgence in cooperatives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that something you ever like think about as a well, filmmaker? Well, so, yeah. I mean, in a different way, it wasn't really a co-op, but like with Revival, we had a co-working partnership mm-hmm. where we shared the space, we shared the name, and uh, it kind of went from there. 
as far as a co-op, like where define that a little bit for me so that I can narrow it down a little bit better. I mean, cooperatives specifically are usually like um, member based. Yeah, they're often like member based. Usually they're open member based, but there's like a sharing of certain resources or uh, even labor at times. Right, right, right. Um, And it's just an example, I think, of a different form of small business like ecosystem. Correct. So like in your experience, what or in your opinion, what form do you think those kind of ecosystems can take or that you would like to see them take? Yeah. Um, that's a that's an interesting thought. I think with with printmaking specifically, it's hard because it is a technical, um, it's a technical and creative job. You have to have kind of both sides of your brain working at full speed. And as a co-op, I don't know how that would work um, uh, as far as like on the manufacturing end, mm-hmm. because there's. Um, with an automated printer, whether it's an automated screen printing printer or uh, automated paper printer, um, all the settings are basically like f- available, but you have to figure out what setting is going to work best with whatever paper you have. And so you have to figure out, um, people listening, hopefully they can like con- conceptualize this, but for a copier, you have a laser that's hitting a drum. It's kind of like a CD. So it's like writing a positive and negative. And then it picks up the toner, which has an electric charge. And each line is a dot. And so it pulls the toner and it puts it onto a transfer belt. And then that moves and hits the paper and makes an impression and pushes the toner against the paper. And then it goes through a fuser, which gets really hot. And it, uh, it goes out of the printer once it's cured. So, if the toner falls off, it means so there's there's speed, there's density, and then there's um, how hot it gets, and all of those things play a factor in each different type of paper. So you have um, plain paper, which is going to go through super fast with the least amount of toner on it, and it the it can get really really hot, and it could just shoot it right out. And then you have thicker cardstocks, which might need to go through with a lot more density and a little bit slower, but the, you know, and then you have gloss, which needs to go through the, it can't get as hot because it'll burn the paper. Okay. I didn't think I'd learned this much about. (laughs) Well, (laughs) so what I'm trying to explain is that like, there's a technical aspect (laughs) and you have to understand what's happening for. So as far as a co-op for printing might not work with screen printing, you have the mesh of the screen and the viscosity of the ink. And like black ink, it can go through almost any mesh. Uh, with white ink, you need a big open holes, so you have to have a lower mesh count. But the design has to be a little bit more basic for the smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're doing that automated, you have the angle of the squeegee and how fast it's going. It's kind of the same squeegee. idea. Yeah. And um, depending on all that, then okay. you get a good print. So there's definitely a technical aspect of printmaking that you want to make sure that your printmaker knows what they're doing and has like a good handle on that. But as far as a co-op goes with, there are other aspects to the print shop, like artwork and sales and how that could work. I don't know exactly. It's a great question. Maybe we can revisit this if you're still doing like interviews in five years. (laughs) But 
Um, there's definitely some opportunity somewhere for it to like have uh, have more of a community engagement. I think. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. I think this is, this is gonna be my last question okay. for you. Okay. All right. Good. So. Sorry if that was too much information. I I, I went to undergrad for chemical engineering. Okay. And uh, Did it make I was sense like, the way I, explained I was it, trying. Yeah, I was like, I was okay. like, I got it. Okay, the charge and the yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Um, so. Okay, right. So we're we're back. We're not back. We're forward, I guess, in the yeah. future, yeah. twenty thirty. Yeah. Um. What do you hope to have accomplished? Um. Well, I'd like to buy a house eventually. Um. Personal goals. Um. I'd like to have all my bills on auto pay and not have to worry about it. So financially, I'd like to be a little bit more stable. As far as small business owners go especially within their first five years, it's usually pretty rocky. Mm -hmm. um, it's expected to take pretty much everything you have and keep putting it back in your business and keep putting right. it back in your business. And if you do that until you can't do it anymore. Um, I think usually most don't yeah. get past that right, right, right. five-year mark. So, right, that's, that's, the, that's the true tell of a business. Um, and so get through that and, uh, and continue to grow. I would like, you know, I kind of go back and forth. There's sometimes I want to have 10 locations and like be running around like a crazy person and, and teach because there is like this halfway entrepreneur that's like, Oh, I want to do this, but I don't know how I'm an artist and I'm, and I am an entrepreneur, but I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it. And I'm like, and I can kind of grab them and be like, here, run this print shop. Um, and I think it would be really cool and a good way for them to grow and figure out like how the, that small business economy works and then um you know have little operations kind of all over the city um and slowly take down the big guys as okay. do it. um so that's like one idea that's in my head and constantly like should i do this um but i'd have to be a lot more organized and i'd probably have to be a little bit less um present here which means i have to figure out how to keep the heart without me being here and that's always a challenge um, but I'm not here every day and I'm not here. Like I work 80 hours a week, but I don't do it all from my desk here at the shop. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have figured out a way and the people that I work with here are, um, very intelligent and, and warm people as well. So I make sure that the people I'm working with can carry the same attitude that I'm, I'm hoping to portray as a business. Mm -hmm. um, but as a small business owner, I mean, I've, I grew, I doubled every year for the first four years. And then this fifth year, I didn't double. I, I didn't plateau either, but it was, um, it was definitely a setup year. I had a big printer that died and that was a huge cost. And I had a move last year, which ended up being a big cost and, um, kind of like it, it's amazing that we still grew and we kind of made it, made it out each time fine. Um, there's a lot of people to thank for that, but at the same time, like, yeah, I'd like to just keep, keep growing and what that looks like without growing my f square footage. Um, I think the more online processes I can do that take out the the daily you know one at a time type things then 
I'll be able to expand on that a lot more. And it is. I realized it every every day more and more. And like I came to this realization four years ago that it's a very sales type position. Like I want to be a small business owner and I want to work with other people. But at the same time, you have to be thinking about the bottom line. You have to be thinking about, you know, what you're going to do to get to the next spot. Um, even though in my mind, I want to continually be like helping people and I want to be seeing how I can make them move forward. I have to be at least a little bit selfish too and, mm -hmm. and make sure that my ass is covered um, so that I can help them in the future. Because if I give everything away, then I'm not going to have anything else to give away. So I have to make sure that I can continue to sustain in addition to working with people and giving them a good value as well yeah and yeah. um do you ever kind of struggle with balancing what it means to be like successful at work versus like successful in your per in like personal spaces or like whatever that means <sighs> great question um yeah i think that um there there's definitely a balance and i think after 12 years i hope i i got it figured out a little bit um being able to go to dinner and leave your phone in the car as a small business owner is a challenge as a person it's a challenge but as a small business owner like it's it's like it's not something you really want to do you're like you want that phone out there and when someone asks you like hey how much is this print you're like oh let me <laughs> let me talk to them they're interested you know it's because it's still your business it's your baby and you want it to do well and you're like um, people are interested in it and but so there's there's definitely a balance um, I like to go out and you know I'll end up talking talking about business with someone that might not be co totally coherent <laughs> about talking about business and I'm like you got to do this you got to do um, or whatever it's it's I'm always kind of turned on as far as business wise like my brain is always going um, which hopefully I try not to make it come, come off as like rude or too much. Um, so I hope that's not the case. Um, but balancing, allowing people to enjoy their time and making sure that I get the most out of mine is, is, is the balance on the personal end. And, and then also being here and making sure, because there's a, a lot of flip flop. I can be here and be on my phone a lot or I could be here and have personal meetings uh, that have nothing to do with work but since I'm working since my work doesn't have the borders of these walls it doesn't really matter because I'll be working at nine at night where everyone else is clocked in like they're here to work and then they leave mm -hmm. um, so it is different and managing that and making sure that that doesn't cross over too much is is definitely something I always have to balance okay yeah uh, i i hope that that was a, yeah i think yeah no that <laughs> works that okay. works yeah cool, cool. i think um, we're i have two questions for you got it so one question is where can we find out more information about your project as it develops as it develops yes or when it's done um, when will it be done or whatever you tell me so the target date for publication is yeah. going to be in january okay um, and it's part of a, a CMU course called New Ways to Live. Okay. Which is, uh, there's, a, there's a, gr a 
several groups of us that are like tackling different aspects to the future of work and learning and life in in Pittsburgh cool. and the culmination of those different projects are going to be um, published around early January cool. uh, through CMU School of Design. Okay. And where can we go to find it? We currently don't have a website for okay. it. But if we Google... It's part of the... Uh, C I, if you check out the Imaginary Labs, New Ways okay. to Live, Cool. Um, there's a website for that. Okay. Cool. And then a uh, little bit about your project. So if anyone is interested in contacting you um, to be a part of it, where would they reach you at? They can reach me at Tamara TT Amin at hotmail.com. Okay. Um, or they can, um, an easier email might be TTA at CMU.edu. There it is. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll email you there if, uh, if someone's interested. And so what type of, who, who all of you interviewed so far? Like, and what, what can people kind of expect? Obviously, hopefully an interview better than this, <laughs> uh, similar, um, with similar questions and, and stuff. But as a small business owner, it's, it's a lot of fun to be a part of something like this because, uh, you're going to keep this data and, you know, hopefully use it and, and kind of figure out um i don't know you guys are a lot smarter than i am so i'm sure you'll figure uh, something out one. with it <laughs> um, well right now we're we've kind of broken up the different interviews based on kind of the the themes that we've seen pop mm -hmm. up with small businesses yeah, yeah. which often involves either like catering to really specific or changing demographics in the city yeah or resurgence in uh, different types of technologies or older technologies or sort of that community presence and like local engagement aspect. Cool. And then you obviously have these different like startups versus co-ops versus like what does it mean to even be a small business right. in the city of Pittsburgh anymore? Right, right. So we've been trying to cover a breadth of that. And um, so cool. far we've interviewed like PGH Honey. Mm -hmm. um, we've interviewed like everyday noodle we've interviewed the small business development center and innovation works and cool. we're kind of making our way through um pretty long list <laughs> awesome so definitely uh check it out if you're listening and um thank you so much for being on this has been thoughtful discussions with josh snyder